Thank you for listening to Recyclables. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the program, the best way to do that is to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, the next best way is to make a donation either through the Acast app or at our Patreon, which is just patreon forward slash recyclables.com. Until next time, thank you. Welcome to part three, the final part of this three-parter series. Actually, let me try that again. Welcome to JLA, but the A is for anarchy. Part three, the final part. Previously on JLA. And then there's like a bunch of smash cuts, and it's me being like, anarchy is a philosophy. And then Butter is like, but I said something funny. And then Corey is like, and then I said something smart. And then Rochelle is like, and then I said something mean to Pat. Because <laughs> that's how we talk. <laughs> oh, Jesus. We do have fun. Uh, seriously, though, welcome to the final part of this weird little discussion. If you didn't catch the first two parts or, you know, there's been like three episodes over the course of three weeks and sometimes it's hard to remember everything. The first part was us discussing the philosophy of anarchy uh, and, and basically just uh, extrapolating that it's not just I do what I want, man, uh, but that there is actually a, a philosophy to it. There's a sort of codification of this concept that uh, there should be no hierarchy and that it comes ultimately uh, maybe in its most succinct form as to each according to their need from each according to their ability. Uh, and granted, as a crippled person, uh, my word, I, I am biased to seeing the world that way. I think there is a certain faction of able-bodied people who look at the world and they're like, well, maybe to each according to their ability, we'll see about who gets what they need, uh, which which I don't agree with. I think that's antithetical to the human uh, experiment, but that that was what we discussed in part one. And then in part two, we kind of got goofy. We went all over the place with the history of comics, but basically we explained that they started with uh, Superman and within in 1938, I think it was, and within a year or so, you get Batman, another year you get Wonder Woman, and there's a huge explosion of them, and that they proliferate through radio, through film, through screen, but that each iteration is a little different than the last, and that they oftentimes have to condense decades of source material, uh, or a previous set of storylines that, that have spanned over decades into a, a new story that has to take... Uh, shorter shorter form. A, a great example, actually, I think, of how comic books uh, could be, be also described. Think of all the ancient myths, and then think of the movie Clash of the Titans. They're kind of trying to do the same thing. They're taking all of these stories that exist all over the place and kind of putting them into a unified place. And then that's what you're going you're gonna to get in this third part. That's what we're going to talk about is the, the final iteration of that art form and how I think it coincides with the ideas of, of anarchy. And I guess I guess I, f I feel like that's a, a good enough of a previously on. So uh, let's jump into the episode. Is that I have a hard time because I'll be like, there's magic to this thing that we are doing. I'm not one of the people that'll be like, oh, we did a funny thing. I should tell other people about it. So yeah. it's hard for me to like... Even though I'm autobiographical with comedy, it'll be a weird thing where I'm like, only these moments that I pick and choose. Anyway, speaking of 
being weirdly autobiographical moments that I picked and choose recyclables. So if you, if you want to keep it in tune with like superhero shit, finally the last in the trilogy. Yeah, th- th- that that cut. I'm gonna cut to that exactly. But you gotta make sure there's some Alicia voice. Welcome too. to the last in the trilogy of, of recyclables, talking about the Justice League and anarchy. Guys, if, you, if you're just now tuning in, we, we've already covered the history of anarchy and very vaguely the history of comic books. Many tangents, lots of fun stuff to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that voice that you heard is a uh, longtime friend, first time guest. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, g- give your whole spiel. I like your spiel. I couldn't remember. Butter, a.k.a. Lisa Frank Reynolds, a.k.a. Bros of Brostar, a.k.a. The Art Hokage, a.k.a. The HBIC of Butterface Creations. I've practiced this in the mirror every morning. If you'd like to see that, hit the Tinder profile. Uh, I am also joined by what I would consider an expert on comic books, even though he was like, no, I don't know much before, uh, but hardcore Meanwhile, here's the, here's the year that this thing yeah, came out. I don't know what I'm going to contribute. Proceeds to contribute literally the most to the conversation. Here's every single weakness of every superhero. And your name is? Corey Cedarleaf by day. <laughs> by and night. He's dingus. By night. I go to bed. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then hired only to help with sales. Uh, Rochelle Cody. And no, I will not be taking his last name because it's embarrassing. It's too and much. And we are coming to the end of our episode, uh, triumphant. JLA, the A is for Anarchy. We've ended As, the end game. Ooh, our previous episodes, we covered superheroes. And at the end, I had to pee, so I ran away. Yeah. But yeah. We, we had just finished uh, covering the history of comics and come into the Justice League official, the kind of premise for our series. To close out kind of that end conversation, Batman the Animated Series is a cartoon that kind of consolidates, let's see if he starts in 39, almost 60 years of comics history into one show that I think pretty accurately and succinctly portrays. The character also portrays some of the Tim Burton Batman that comes about. You could justifiably say Batman the Animated Series is the only Batman you'd ever need to show anybody to get yeah. a full grasp of the character, the world, yeah. and all the other characters involved in it. It is a condensation of all of the right things about Batman that yeah. people enjoy. It has the camp, it has the silly, it also has the serious, and it has the dark. It touches each of the kind of cornerstones of what the character is supposed to be, and, for sure. And there are even some fun two-parters that have Batman in peril, and then the, like you come back and it's like, did Batman survive the explosion? Like, what happened? Like, like the Harvey Dent episode has one of those things where it's like, mm-hmm. what's yeah. gonna like, who's gonna make it? Like, There's what's a ton gonna of two-parters. And I also want to give credit to the creators for how much they did and changed for as much as they gave a lot of credit to the history of Batman and the 60 years that came before it. There was also a whole lot of them just being like, we're going to make this villain this instead. Like with Mr. Freeze, I want to say that that version of Mr. Freeze kind of became the template for Mr. Freeze. No one's going back to his Mr. Zero days. And I mean, they created Harley Quinn, who at this point is one of the, if not, probably the biggest name within DC Comics characters at this point. To give an idea, I think, of how it was received, too, for people who, like, weren't alive at the time, or people who maybe weren't paying attention to that kind of thing at the time, when Batman gets released, it's released at Sunday evenings, 
so the entire family can watch it, and then it's released Saturday mornings. But like the initial airings are like, hey, this is a family show that everybody in the family, mom and dad, are gonna want to watch. But I guess also we'll put it on. It was prime the, time, but also Saturday morning. Yeah, and so like that's 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 kind of the the pedigree that starts this off. Inevitably, it go. I wouldn't say goes downhill. However, in 1996, I had to double check the date. Superman the animated series comes out. That is when Batman is on. I think his third season of the animated series. Yeah, and at this point, like the whole Bat family had been introduced into the show. Yeah, at this point, into, like Batgirl and Nightwing, uh, Robin's a lot younger. Yeah. yeah, some of the designs for a lot of characters kind of change at this point. And then inevitably, to save money, a thing that they do is they actually combine the two series yeah. where Superman takes half the slots and Batman takes the other half of the slots. Yeah, and it does, I mean, you do get some fun episodes. Like, one of my favorite episodes is where Superman goes to Gotham City and has to fill in for Batman. He's There's the, a whole lot of, like, yeah. I'm gonna get in a fist fight with Batman and it's probably gonna go my way, and then they throw a fist and Batman doesn't move and they're like, what the fuck happened to Batman? And they break their hand punching him, and then there's inevitably the series run the course, and after that approximately is when the series Batman Beyond comes along. They wanted to create something that would appeal to like teenagers. Yeah, at the audience at the time. Yeah, they wanted something that was new and fresh and different but also kind of a continuation. Um, and was was Batman Beyond, did that start before or after Justice League? I, before. But just before. barely, yeah, because Justice bit, League starts off exclusively like on Cartoon Network and Batman yeah. Beyond is, is main it's still WB. TV. Batman, yeah. and then, Batman Beyond was showing on like kids WB and shit. And then okay. Batman Beyond gets uh, not exactly unceremonious but it gets shut down earlier than they kind of anticipated. They thought they were yeah. going to get another season. They're they're told like nah that's it you kind of they're like, able to end up touching uh, back on it though in, through in justice yeah, they got that return of the joker movie yeah. but the the fun the, the fun part to me is that they they present that they like you said they're like hey can you make batman more accessible to kids or whatever but can you like reboot it like essentially and they're like well no we have all of these shows what if we do the opposite and we go into the future and that's where you get like the very one of the most kind of interesting takes on the batman characters batman retired for those who don't uh who haven't seen batman beyond uh in that story there's a young kid named terry mcginnis who lives in a neo-gotham gotham city in the future after batman has retired and there's a whole vignette at the start where like Batman has to use a gun to end a situation, and he's like, oh shit, that's like my one... Because he's like having a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, well, if I'm pulling a gun, and that's my that's one rule, then yeah. I should... So he retires. This kid, uh, Terry McGinnis, stumbles across uh, Batman, and then his own dad dies, and so he takes Batman's gear, and he goes and like gets vengeance for his dad, but then Batman is like, I'm gonna mentor you! And then that's where you get a trope that shows... We can never be without a Batman. Yeah, and then that's where yeah. you get a trope in the f- that comes along for a lot of other things of the guy on the couch kind of it's one of the best the, versions of it yeah and of it's the, also the guy on the yeah oh guy yeah the the guy in the chair yeah, yeah guy in the chair thing and, man yeah and they were they were also like look every uh, iteration of of batman as a teenager he's off learning to be batman he's not batman yet the whole point is that you have to be like a man to be batman like you have to have a whole life of learning all the ninja stuff and all the the, the other stuff and so they're like it's not bat kiddo yeah and that that's why they end up pitching the idea of like okay well then how can we Is satisfy teen titans uh i i wouldn't think the average person would know looking at all these dc properties is like the teen titans cartoon that you probably know of has no affiliation to any of the shit that we're talking about what? yeah it's not attached yeah, yeah. not slightest even though it has a similar it's level a, of it's quality a different, yeah disgusting yeah. unrelated uh yeah. show unrelated 
the universe. Big um, miss. Although, again, great show. Not yeah. going to knock it at all. It is fantastic. No. Similar level of quality. I but guess I would have assumed. It is just it further. I think a lot of people did. They yeah. just assumed it yeah. takes place. Because, like, Batman never shows up. Superman never really shows up. You know? So you can just assume. They definitely will occasionally make reference to stuff like that. When it gets all goofy and it becomes Teen Titans. Well, Teen Titans goes way later. But when yeah. it becomes that, they definitely make a lot of references to the fact that people thought the two universes. And another thing that's not in the same universe, the the most recent so show, uh, Young Justice. Yep. Not that's in this so universe. Too. It definitely so pays homage right. to a lot of the things that have happened in, in the, the overall DC animated universe but uh not exactly of that concept usually again takes the psychic characters and like puts them up front it's funny because like in the in the way that young justice starts out it's not even necessarily like that it starts out with them all having the idea of we should have a place for our sidekicks and stuff it's like those sidekicks literally all just kind of get pissed off and they're like i'm not gonna listen to batman let's fuck off and do our own thing and then they get caught and I think the funny, like, it's a trope that happens over and over and over again in Young Justice. Batman pops up at the end and he goes, what you did was wrong, but it was also right and I'm proud of you. Yeah. Y'all have fucked up. However, Good job, though. However, Good a job. show that does highlight a teenage superhero and does exist in the context of this reality. Static shock! Static motherfucking shock. So, not just, so not just static shock. Static motherfucking shock. Well, Use actually, his middle name. Yeah, this bitch. <laughs> my bad. Static shock. Please apply respect yes. to his name. Uh, the Dakota universe is... Remember when we were talking about the Image Comics and how there was, like, creator-owned content? Uh-huh. In the mid-90s, there's a lot of versions of this that pop up. Image is one... Uh, Valiant. Um, Valiant Comics? Valiant is Valiant, Valiant is Man of War. Yeah, yeah. Valiant is Man of War. Milestone Comics is a black-owned creative uh, institution. They create the Dakotaverse. The city of Dakota exists in their universe. During a gang riot, police tear gas, and the the explosion of that sets off like metachemical gases that ends up mutating all of the people involved and people tangentially related and anyone who might get caught like in a place where tear gas goes. So people all over the place get powers. They're called Bang Babies. Dakota is primarily nice. a black universe. To be to be to be clear though, it is it is a thing that has happened throughout comics history where I think either DC or Marvel frequently were the ones the big ones that were doing this they would buy out other comic book companies just so that they could like own their properties and stuff so like shazam was not originally a dc character yeah. the we question wasn't Captain originally marvel right yes. yep shazam was its own thing and then charleston comics got bought out and charleston comics is where question. the question comes from blue beetle the blue beetle comes from um, Captain Adam. That's yep. why Dres- Harry Dresden's car is called the Blue Beetle in the Dresden Files. All the all the characters that you see in the movie Watchmen are from the Charleston universe, and it's they supposed get, to be. Yeah, they were yeah. legally safe knockoffs because yeah. DC was like, no, 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 man, we yeah. got to hold on to this Blue Beetle. Yeah, originally, yeah, originally they were all going to be actual DC characters, and then they told Alan Moore no, and so Alan Moore was like, all right, I'll just change their fucking names then. <laughs> and, <laughs> And th- that's how you get Watchmen, and that's why it's 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 a whole long thing. The the thing to to circle back around. So with Sorry. Milestone, Milestone is a black owned company. The the biggest most iconic character is Static. The character that I think kind of explains who they are is their character Icon and Rocket. 
Icon is a Superman variant. He's a, uh, a alien who crash lands on Earth uh, and looks like a black man in a time of enslavement, so like in the 18-somethings, early pre-1860, and gets caught up in the struggle for liberation there. Then after uh, seeing kind of being disenfranchised by the Reconstruction movement, he kind of keeps a low profile on Earth and decides not to get involved again until he meets this young woman, Rocket, who kind of pulls him out of retirement and makes him reconsider like radical action and actually be a superhero. He's the only one, like, he's not the only one, but he's one of the few characters that's not associated with this big bang event that created the character Static Shock. Static, for example, isn't in a gang. He's pulled there because, like, a gang saves him, and they're like, well, since we saved you, like, you gotta come to our fight, and he's like, I don't really want to be there, but, like, you might beat me up or whatever. And, in fact, his mom has died of gang violence or of gun violence, of, of kind of ambiguous things. So when he gets his powers, he's one of the few who is, like, nerdy-ish and is also, like, well, I think he's he's much more of a Spider-Man variant where, like, yeah. at first he's like, I'm just gonna do my own thing. I don't need to be a superhero. And then he realizes, like, oh, I might be the only person who, when they get absolute power, doesn't go absolute crazy. Like, I, I have some sort of moral code because of my mom and my dad not everyone has that advantage and like static ends up ends up uh uh portraying some very grown-up issues in the course of its run like static ends up losing his virginity and it's like a point in the story uh and milestone like like confronts a lot of these issues they get bought in that thing that Corey mentioned by dc because dc is like well you have black characters and we have None. Shit, we have Black Lightning. Yeah. yeah. So like 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 we would like, like John to, Stewart, I think, yeah. maybe at that point, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and so they they buy Milestone to incorporate the heroes when Milestone is go- about to go under, and then there's a whole there's a pretty decent if you have the uh, HBO Go thing, there's a pretty fun documentary thing about their startup and the fact that like a couple of years ago, DC was like, you know what? We actually didn't really put any money into you, and we we're kind of listening to Black Lives Matter, and uh, we have all of these properties that we would someday maybe like to make into movies. Whatever motivation you want to subscribe to a company, let's reintroduce these characters writ large into our universe. So, in one of our many, many reboots, these people are now a part of our universe, including Static Shock. But he gets a comic. He gets a cartoon in nineteen ninety fucking seven or and eight. It tackled some pretty tough. And it tackled. Yeah, some, it was good. It has it the most good. of all of them. It's the only one that has special episodes. It's it the is, only one. It is like a superhero series, almost entirely comprised out of today on a very special episode of Static Shock. It's funny because there there's episodes like that, and then there's episodes where they definitely are channeling the kind of like. Uh, Flesher era of Superman where like he's just fighting a giant robot because he has electricity powers and why not fight a giant robot yeah like there's some there's some fun stuff like that and then there's there's the episode where his friend gets paralyzed because of gun violence his friend gets they, they, they do a really shitty portrayal of how school shootings work where it's like the nerdy kid who just really wants to fuck a girl and can't as opposed to like you know, the middle class kid who has access to his dad's guns and thinks he deserves also more. Also wants to fuck that girl, but can't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. But fair enough. A lot, a lot of, a lot of patriot, yeah, a lot of issues in that sense. But it's, they, they portray a me as much more of the problem than the guys who were likely to beat up on a me as the kind of guys who were a problem. Very special episode in that sense. And there's, there's at least one other one. I think it's sexual violence, but I know it's child abuse for sure, mm-hmm. where they're like, you know, post-episode, Static turns the camera and is like, you know, it's not, like, we had fun in games, but you know what's not fun in games is if this and this happens to you, let us know. But they also cover uh, one of his, one of his villains becomes a hero, Elastic Man, 
or, or rubber band man whose powers are like a, a elastic Mr. Fantastic type stuff goes from being a super villain, becomes a hero and explains that like part of the reason I became a criminal is because I'm dyslexic. Like I can't read. So I dropped out of school and like, what the fuck else was I going to do? Mm-hmm. And so like now I'll be a hero and that's his, that's his story arc. And that's one of the special episodes is they're like, if you have trouble reading, like don't be ashamed, tell people so yeah. that you're not Speak scared up. of it. All well, of, dope. yeah, all of that is on public TV. It's all, it's all what's in regular. All of these shows kind of run their course, which means they don't sell nearly as many toys as people would like. So eventually they run it's not out. Being profitable to make the show however there's an interesting thing that happens with cartoons as as they go along there's a period in the 70s where when we're manufacturing cartoons they are kind of purely for artistic purposes they're they're they have to be artistic or educational and you can't use it to promote a product not not just because there's code in place but because those are the people that are drawn to making those things then comes a long perennial friend of the podcast ronald reagan like who maybe And the Don't talk lo- about my jelly bean king. <laughs> and <laughs> and with him comes a loosening of the restrictions. It's it, it's legally encoded that like like as Butter mentioned that like your show has to be educational or has to be informative. It can't just be a commercial. And also the kinds of commercials that are aired in that time period are restricted. So you can't be advertising for toys during this period. That is nominally because nominally because of the way capitalism has things set up. Kids need somebody to watch them Saturday morning. In theory, they're going to church Sunday morning. They're going to school the other five days of the week. Mom and dad need to rest on Saturday. And kids need to have something to occupy them. Let's put them in front of the TV. 70s ethos, kind of. And because of that, they're also like, well, we can't make you advertise the action figures or the toys. Also, the companies don't see kids as things that have a purchasing power. They don't really think of them as a market share. They think of it, the adults as the people that you need to advertise to. So a lot of like 70s advertisements are get your kid this new toy that they'll love. Then deregulation comes along. And not only can these shows themselves be commercials, but the commercials have to be, you want your commercial to be more cinematic, to be more flashy, but they're also aimed at, hey, kids, get your parents to get you this thing, which creates a whole different style of... of I mean, that really reflects a changing in parenting through the generations. And in the 90s, the, this gets changed in kind of a backlash where there is some amount of restriction on what can be advertised, but it, it, very loosely restriction is also applied to the shows themselves. That's one of the things that gets Batman like kind of a unique position is that by the 90s, you either have to be a show that is good enough that commercials want to be on you or or you have to be like Transformers, which is a toy so cool, it kind of doesn't matter that we might lose our, our our advertising space to other advertisers. Are but, buy it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Ba- if the toy exists, we can make a show out of it. And then the show will make kids realize, oh, shit, that's that toy from the show I just watched. One of the things we don't cover when we talk about Batman is the fucking toy sales. Mm-hmm. They are they they are record breaking as far as like merchandise tie-in and shit. That's what really makes people care about Batman Returns is the fact that like so many toys from Batman sold. And so they're like if we continue advertising for this loosely in the form of the Batman cartoon, which will be its own entity but it will have things that feel kind of emblematic of this movie, people are going to continue to buy toys in this line so we can continue selling this by the early 2000s by the late 90s early 2000s 
none of this really matters. Cable exists. You're playing commercials to whatever markets you think will hit, but the Saturday morning market slowly dwindles away, but that's when things like Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon start coming along, and they realize, oh, we can just ship all of our commercials to this one station and do better job, uh, a better job advertising by having all of the commercials in one spot and assuming that they hit and miss, which is what attracts them to want to take on the Justice League license. Justice League is the concept uh, that I mentioned loosely way back in episode two of the, the different superheroes coming together and forming a team. In the comics, this has been going on since, like, the 70s? Uh, actually, I want to say the first time the Justice League got together when, like, they fought Starro mm-hmm. for the first time was... Uh, I'm pretty sure it was way earlier than the I 70s. I feel like it was late 50s. Late 50s? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Because I, I, mean, I, I know there was a Justice Society and then the Justice League, right? Yeah, because the Justice yeah. Society comes out first and it's, it's, oh shit, none of these characters are selling, let's put them into a book, yeah. so this book sells. The Justice League is, oh, we have all of these characters that are selling a little less well, and so we can put them, we can put Superman and Batman on the cover. We might as well. Yeah. What if we, we put all well put of our most team. popular people combined? Uh, March of 1960, I guess, okay. is okay. just as 60. That might really not be early. getting into the, like, that might be a little less specific. Yeah. It's, in any case, and, and then, then also Super Friends was, was I mean, let's be real. That. It was kind of that, but also not that. <laughs> and, and Super Friends definitely had its own influence in that. That was part of the reason I think that they made sure and kept the 92 Batman animated series so serious is that the other one isn't necessarily cheesy, but it is definitely cartoon. Everything up until that point had been pretty jokey, pretty funny. Yeah. Besides like the Batman movies, any other portrayal has been jokey, funny. And, uh-huh. and more than yeah. anything else, it's also the first time that they've serialized it because uh, the, the Super Friends has like plot points that carry on or like they'll meet somebody like some celebrity and then they'll be like, oh, it's Burt Reynolds again or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know why that was my celebrity reference. But even even though that, that sort of thing will occur, there's no, there's not the thing we were talking about before where like you see Two-Face as a character start off as Harvey Dent and turn into, yeah. eventually he, he has other personalities that come out because he can't handle his own mental schism. So when they create Justice League, they're like, let's take all of these various elements uh, as as a property and incorporate them. And the initial pitch, from my understanding, is let's do the different kinds of stories that we couldn't do before in a bigger format. So Superman gets to go to space once in a while, but Justice League goes to space all the time. Yeah. yeah. Like, especially yeah. in that first one. in the Batman episode, you'd get a two-parter. Literally every episode is going to be a two-parter. Yeah. Every episode of Justice League. Uh, yeah, they, and they, they did that. They wanted it to feel way more cinematic. They wanted it to feel... Um, they wanted it to feel like you were watching a movie every well, time. Yeah, because I mean, it got it. It's the big leagues. Right? Yeah, and it's, this is this is this is this is the end game. <laughs> we did it again. <laughs> now, of of you know these characters is like this is this is the the apex of what you're gonna get the zenith and right from, here. And from episode to episode, things change and improve. Like, like or, right. or or not improve. Sorry, but but previous episodes impact future episodes. And in fact, without giving away too much, there there's a big plot twist at the end of the. It ends up being two series in that there is the Justice League series, and then they make Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, Justice League Unlimited is 30 minute episodes instead of two 30 minute episodes. Yeah, 
episodes. A lot more just one part episodes. And yeah, a lot more of that and a lot more variety of superheroes. The Justice League only features the core superheroes of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, and... Specifically John Stewart, yeah, Green Lantern. Hawk Girl. Hawk Girl. Um, and there were a lot of those choices. They, and Martian they Manhunter. Spent, yeah, Martian Manhunter. Manhunter. They spent a lot of time trying to figure out who the fuck was going to be on this Justice League. Yeah. And they made a lot of these choices specifically so that there would be some amount of diversity. There were writers in the room uh, of, uh, you know, they were, there was, it was a, divi- a diverse uh, writer's room. Yeah. Um, I was actually going to say when you were talking about Static Shock, yeah. one of the unsung heroes of the entire DCAU is a guy by the name of Dwayne McDuffie, mm-hmm. uh, who was the creator of uh the or at oh, least yeah? the, he was he was in charge of the static shock show um but he's also one of the folks who consistently wrote some of like the more well-regarded episodes yeah, Dwayne of, McDuffie probably wrote a lot of your favorite episodes a lot of your favorite episodes are, are from that man um they they <laughs> they really the silence is we all respect the show for a moment mm. oh also mm. respect the name he passed away oh yeah uh that's yeah that too uh, as the as the sh- series went on and they expanded upon it and expanded and expanded upon it, they, just they pulled in talent from more everywhere. and more, and it was trying to sh- really showcase the 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 universe more and more of like see how much they could get away with of like okay, people liked Batman, of course, people like Superman, Justice League. We can probably spotlight some characters that some people aren't going to be as familiar yeah. with. And, and it, granted, it does. I do think quality kind of varies wildly when it comes to Unlimited and also, like, the, 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 what's that thing? Power variance? Is that the thing where, like, the it's hard? Scaling? Yeah, it's hard to tell yeah. who has what superpowers by the end of Justice League Unlimited. Like, yeah. right. Like, you're like, did that person just take on Wonder Woman? Because they should not have been able to take on Wonder Woman. Yeah, there's a lot of that for did, sure. And, like, did Batman just move faster than the speed of light? I mean, there's a, there's a, yeah. And, like, they do, they do try to, like, sort of address it at some point with Superman very near the end. There's, like, an extremely popular speech from the show that it's you like might have even heard of outside of even outside of ever seeing this show you've probably heard of like the world made of cardboard I saw thing. that I saw that the other day and I was like, why am I so fucking hype right now? I yeah. don't even <sighs> like Superman and I'm fucking just ready to when go. When he decks Dark Side and Dark Side just like there's like a pause for a second after the punch where everything just kind of ripples you and then the you just go <laughs> My favorite just my favorite of it up. is, but you can take it, can't you, big boy? I'm just right. like Clark. I have my, right yeah. He's my, still my um, heart, sir. What, what it's also that when he does get a rematch against Dark Side, Superman is fucking pissed yeah he's been having a hell of a time before he was mad but now after his initial fight with dark side he has to come back to earth where he just got done being brainwashed and betraying everyone so no one likes him very much so he has to re-earn all of the good faith of the people which is something that they address in justice league when like he's talking to the un about making the justice league and everyone's like are you sure about that and that that gets us to the premise of today. Today yeah. today sort of starts all the way back when a friend of the show, uh, Nova Starlust, was on the show and mentioned that in a weird way, 
uh, sometimes recyclables is like film theory for history. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be like, oh, the South won. Like just and here pretend we pretend this happened. And that's not unlike people such as uh, Matt Pat is. I think the most famous version of that. There I is. personally recommend people check out the works of Alex Bale if they want to see kind of film theory and film and and very good work. Uh, he does a bunch of SpongeBob theories, but then in the background there's a whole movie going on. It's really nice, really fun stuff. I learned it from Nova. She she recommended it to me uh, that got me to thinking about justice league and that got me to thinking about my fandom of anarchy and one of the things i forgot to touch on when we were talking about the history of the comics there is a character in the comics named anarchy i yes, sat on my cr- fucking tongue true. the whole time to try and not make a joke about him and you could you wanted me to in a way yeah no i totally i meant ah! to, i meant to mention him anarchy was my introduction to the concept of anarchy really? i read it in high school Right. And I was like, oh, this shit is bonkers. We were talking earlier about kind of knowing when we were radicalized. And so there was this weird point where I'm reading about what anarchy is and the tenets of it and kind of the concepts of it. And I'm like, I'm on board with this. And then I had to go like have a kid and stuff. One of my weaknesses is I assume everybody knows what I know. So I assumed everybody knew that about anarchy. The things that I learned through this character. The, the guy that invents it is, I wrote it down. No, I didn't. Alan. Not Alan Moore, Alan Grant. Okay, is that his name? There's been a lot of comic book care uh, like creators throughout time. Oh, I wanted. Well, I, I wanted don't to know every character. That's I'm pretty ever sure Alan who Grant is them? actually the doctor from Jurassic Park. Then that might be the right one. Okay, uh, uh, folks, there are lots of comic book characters. Yeah, there are. There are so many. I can't name all of the characters that show up in Justice League Unlimited. And I've seen it multiple times. I just got done watching it, and I've already forgotten like ninety percent of them. Thing. Oh my god! That's don't the thing even that... get me started on the Booster Gold episode, dude. Nova has a clip of me watching it uh, during the rewatch, and I have a freak out. Okay, okay. So the one of the ongoing jokes of the episode was everybody keeps calling him Green Lantern. Now, not even just the fact that that his costume does not have a lick of fucking green in it. He is gold. He is blue. He is also a blonde-haired fucking blue-eyed Nazi poster child. You're gonna tell me that you're gonna get that confused with Jon Stewart? The Green Lantern that everybody knows at the time. And now they do acknowledge Kyle is around at that time. Kyle Rayner was their other one. And Hal kind of exists in that universe, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He pops yeah. in for like a few seconds, sure. But like, I think he, everybody I, would know the Green Lantern is a black man. So why are you looking at fucking Booster fucking Gold and being like, hey, thanks, Hal pops up in Superman the Animated Series, if I okay. remember correctly. Yeah, cool. yeah, he's the one that gets the Green He Lantern has a little cameo. Back. And also, Aquaman pops up in Superman the Animated Series and is completely different than the yeah, Aquaman yeah, yeah. later on. I lost my fucking shit. The third time somebody was like, thanks, Green Lantern, I had to pause it and go, okay fucking no i just, that one just is one of my no. favorites though. also uh <clears throat> billy west being the voice of skeets i cannot stop being like that's just fry that's just, just being fry yeah. right now. i keep expecting uh the other actor the the guy that does uh bender to show up when i watch that episode. John DiMaggio? yeah, and yeah. I'm like, i he did a really he, good joker in that one yeah. time yeah, yeah he does he does show up in some under of the red art. hood right I think. Uh, yeah i was just gonna say as a as because i i love me some booster gold yeah booster as well great. i love him uh can you imagine Booster Gold as an influencer? Oh, yeah. Easily. That is exactly... That if up. Booster Gold happened right now, he'd be doing he that. would be an influencer, and he would have he would like have a he would have a Twitch stream going. Yes. Booster Gold, just for for Rochelle, I guess, is, is a guy who comes from the future, come, is from the future and goes to the past to be a superhero, to be famous, to be a superhero in his own time. He's, He's literally like 
a failed football star who became a janitor at an old superhero museum where he stole artifacts. And then, like, eventually he learns to be a hero or yeah. whatever. Like, that's, <laughs> he pulls but, his like, head out of yeah. his ass. But, like, one of the ways that he wants to be famous and also get rich, he gets, like, advertisements on his mm. costume. So, like, he'll have, like, patches for, like, I don't know, Pepsi, Pepsi. Yeah. and shit like that. And, like, when he gets interviewed by, like, you know, people after saving people, he always, like, does, like, branding shit and, like, name drops brands that have, like, That's endorsed right. him. That's right, I punched in the name of Gatorade. Right. right. <laughs> He's so fucking perfect. Sorry. No, you're fine. To get, a, to get us back around, though, the, the character Anarchy is made by this guy, Alan Grant, as he discovers the concept of Anarchy, and it does stick to many of the tenets that I kind of have come to learn. The character is actually a kid named Lonnie Mechin, M-A-C-H-I-N, who is as smart and capable as Batman as a teenager. The only reason he comes onto Batman's radar is because he kills an industrialist who, like, by poisoning him with his own toxins. And then Batman's like, well, you murdered, so now I have to pay attention to you. Yeah. And, like, before that, he'd been, like, stealing money from billionaires and, like, allocating it to homeless charities and shit. Right. So Batman would have been like, okay, yeah. whatever, yeah. this is harmless. Like, and like anarchy's he's not an anti-hero. He's, yeah. he's often portrayed he's, kind of as a villain. So the, the guy, Alan Grant, who's writing Batman at the time, it's in a period when there is no Robin in the series. Over the course of Batman, one of the Robins dies and then gets replaced by this other kid. It's just, like, a constant game of the match game after. That a little Batman bit. Finding his new Robin. And the funny part is, this kid was written as a pitch for like, what if this was Robin? Like, this could be a this Robin. Be a Robin. So, so I, I really love the idea of an alternate timeline where Batman gets pulled left by an anarchist Robin. The character is pretty cool. He has a very iconic look. I know what he looks like. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, my boy. Yeah. Uh, the look is inspired by the V for Vendetta character, oh, V, uh, and then also because the Spanish uh, Civil War had a big influence on anarchy, he has a little bit of a Spanish Padre look. That was a little bit of the influence. The character, uh, as Grant writes of him, uh, when he gets a miniseries, DC, like, like he's popular enough, DC gives him like a series. It doesn't go for as long as he wanted it to go for because DC kept giving him notes. Like, like you can't, you can't have this guy calling Batman evil for being an industrialist. Like, we can't let you do yeah. that. But over the course of his series, he goes and fights Darkseid, who is basically like, Thanos meets the devil in one character, but more powerful. He's a biggest, lot. The biggest big bad you can imagine. Yeah. Does he still have a ball chin? Yes. Yeah. Actually. And, and because he's invented, he's invented by the same guy, Jack Kirby. Voiced by no. Michael Ironside. Yeah. Fantastic. Pat, get back to it. No, uh, but he ends up defeating Anarchy by being, or Anarchy ends up defeating Darkseid by being like, oh, you're not actually evil. You're just doing your job. You know, reflecting Mr. Bakunin all the way back in episode one saying like, you know, the industrialists aren't necessarily evil they're evil for sure but they're like just doing what's in front of them he comes to the same conclusion with dark side it's also interesting that as the character goes along his portrayal matches kind of so media's portrayal of him where he starts off as a young radicalist but if you see the portrayal of the more modern version th this is the current iteration yep. of the character if that doesn't look too familiar Basically a Guy Fox mask and like a black hoodie, very mm -hmm. anti-fun. Very anonymous too. Yeah, very anonymous uh, referencing. He does show up incidentally in the Arrowverse show, but then he's just a dude who lumps bombs at people. Right, just some... Because, because right back anarchy around. means bombs. Yeah. yeah but, it really yeah, is the bomb. But, okay, so... 
couple of a couple of things oil. to get out of the way before we before we wrap up and I, I confirm my premise or, or argue or debate with you guys. One, just openly, superheroes are kind of propaganda in general. Yes. Just all of them. Like, well, especially I, with what that child psychologist did. Like, I think there was some ways to have more nuance in those conversations prior to that. And so I'm thinking that that was definitely a reinforcement of the yeah. like the propaganda that was happening and almost enforcing it. There's part of me that agrees with that in certain situations, but there is also a pretty common thing that happens within comic books and even within this show where the cops are portrayed as completely fucking incapable yeah. of doing their job. Uh, Correct. But also, if I had a nickel for every time during my unlimited rewatch that a Green Lantern was on screen, just acting like a fucking cop. So, Green Lantern uh, is space cops. All so, Green Lanterns yeah. are bastards. A-Lab, Sorry. Yeah. And, yeah. And the whole- Ag-Lab. Yeah, Aglab. That's a great name for a bad guy. Uh, and the 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 kind of overall premise of all superheroes, though, is like I will punch you until you go to jail, and jail will make yeah. you better. And that's yeah. not that's not even how if jail the cops works. are portrayed as fucking useless. Right. The bad guy still ends up tied up on their doorstep with a note from Batman saying "Love you, uwu." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and 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 works with even though the police department of Gotham is famously corrupt, still works with. The good cop. In fact, to, there's the one good cop cliche. To to reflect some of this, actually, like Milestone, for example, when they did their most recent reboot, instead of being like, oh, gangland violence, it's police tear gassing protesters against police violence that end up all getting their powers. So yep. it stops being, I mean, that does make it problematic that now everyone who gets powers is going to be in some way probably related to protests. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm sure they, they do more nuance than that. So that one I want to get out of the way. And the the other thing to get out of the way is, like, this is totally a cartoon. So this is totally, like, there's going to lose some subtly. But my, my kind of personal, hey, listener, is that the Justice League in a real way represents, I think, how anarchy is would look when enacted in our world by people. And reflects some of the historical narrative of how it's gone. Specifically, they are a group of people who come together and realize, look... We need to exist outside of the state. We are going to exist within ourselves with no real hierarchy. Yes, Superman can punch the most things, but Flash can think the most thoughts while that's happening. So, like, we're we're just falling in that sense. And none yeah. of us is really class-oriented. Like, yes, Batman is a billionaire industrialist, but, like, is that really doing anything against space? They're all really good at recognizing their strengths and ceding to the person who has the best strength. Not meaning that that person is the leader, but that person is the best thing for that very specific thing thing at that time for sure they also all operate on the sense that like they see a need and instead of waiting for state approval instead of hoping someone else will take the initiative and do the action they're like well we're here yeah we got the power like let's let's do this and the reaction by the governmental powers that be is also very similar to what people react like how the government reacts to anarchists which is hey when we're being attacked by aliens like we totally like you guys to throw your bodies at it and in peacetime we totally don't want to hear you guys yeah yeah Yeah. we want to have we perceive you as a threat yeah and that is addressed pretty pretty regularly on the show where it's like hey you guys are saving the world that's great but when you're not saving the world you're looking at us i'm pretty sure the main villain of all of unlimited is just the united states government yeah yeah 
Because the main villain, and the main villain in the first one is the main villain, I think, overall, which is capitalism. Of course. In the yes. form of, like, Lex Luthor's main plan is, like, I'm just the smartest, most whitest, most patriarchal dude in the room who knows money yeah. the best. And, like, he will even be like, oh, no, I cheat all the time and I steal. And, like, none of this, like, none of the rules matter. I'm just the best at breaking the rules. I would rules. also just like to say I am, I am a firm believer that this universe is Lex Luthor is not a white guy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I think he is he is some version of uh, like I think he's light skinned black because oh. dude, the, uh, listen. Okay, first of all, Clancy Brown's voice performance is fucking amazing. You gotta talk about that. Yeah, it's right? very good. Clancy Brown is the you would not believe that is Mister Fucking Krabs, right? Being Lex Luthor, I, but just I, everything I, I, about I, I, the way he talks, the way he acts, the way he looks does not give yeah. white guy energy. I think he was meant to be portrayed as a light skinned black man. Oh. For for what it's worth, I will also say there's a lot of conversation about like Kevin Conroy is Batman and yeah. Mark Hamill is the Joker. And as far as I am concerned, I'm yes. right there with you that yes. Clancy Brown yes. is Lex Luthor. Yes. He plays a character. I don't know if you're familiar with the Venture Brothers at all. He, he plays a character in the later seasons called Red Death, and he is essentially just Lex Luthor, but also uh, Red Skull, but also a dad. Like oh, he is, he is, he is fucking Danny Tanner, but he is also going to kill the dog shit out of you. It is, it is beautiful. That makes me very happy. Yeah. So there is a weird thing that happens. I do want to kind of discuss okay. that happens right after or very close after their like space laser just goes off, and then. If I remember correctly, like the US government is like, hey, you guys need to be under arrest because we need to investigate this shit. And the Justice League goes, yeah, I guess we're going to sacrifice our leaders for that. And the leaders are like, we're going to go. The rest of you stay here and figure this the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting because I would imagine that I don't, I don't, I want to know what your perspective okay. is on the so, idea of like the, there is no like leadership necessarily, but there is leadership. Well, what it's I would, very, what and I also would clearly, for them to give themselves up to the government. Like what I, that. what I, what I would acknowledge is that, that at some point there is leadership and a, a form of hierarchy, but I think it's really, um, th- there's, is it born of experience? Yeah. There, there, I can't remember the exact terminology for it, but there is, uh, uh, anarchist slash unionist theory that basically there are natural bosses, natural leaders, in the sense that there are people who are naturally just more charismatic and or yeah, or people who know the most. Yeah, or people who are the best at scheduling might be the best at being like... So that's probably what would always kind of default to the original seven. Not only since they've been there the longest, but they probably are out of anybody there the most experienced. Yeah, and that's really what what I was seeing the leadership as. And also there is a thing, like, like, people assume anarchism means no no leadership structure no 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 yeah no structure no cooperation no, no rules no either. rules when in fact like as we've said before in theory anarchy looks like democracy like it's well, a lot of people saying reaching yeah. a consensus it's kind of like how a lot of people in very heteronormative relationships would view polyamory and be like, well, then there's just no fucking rules. And it's like, actually, there's, there's a lot typically of rules. There's, more rules well, yeah. in a poly relationship than there is in a lot of heterosexual But it is based on a concept of more freedom, ergo, more... There needs to be more rules yeah. because there's more freedom of choice. So. And and I think I think also to, to answer the kind of turns themselves in, I think that's also just what a good person does to hey look not all you guys are responsible for this clearly well, if something is weird it's probably our fault like we probably l- look at batman have you met batman it's probably we fucked up. His that's fault. the thing though when that happens batman says fuck that 
I'm not yeah, doing that that's shit. That's the dumbest and plan that, I've ever that is heard. Also, that is also, uh, I think, I think a thing that, that cements my theory is that there is a person who is like, Batman is, by the way, to anyone who, who, he, he's not actually a member of the Justice League. He's Never. just he's he's just a part time member. Even though he sits on the even though he's like he's one on of the, the council seven. of ninety nine point nine percent sure that his uh his access code number is zero zero two. But he's he's but not, he's not an official member. Don't affiliate me with these motherfuckers. Yeah, I don't know which, any of them. I never seen them in my life. Which, if oh. that doesn't sound like an anarchist at a political association, I don't know what. Also, does. it is it is also uh, constantly said that he funds their shit too. Anytime Superman's <laughs> yeah. like, "We'll pay for the damages," Batman's right there being like, "Damn it, Clark! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, course. yeah of course." Which is also a thing that, uh, like, like for example, we mentioned uh, Mr. Kerpemkin was a prince, but uh, like wasn't wealthy, but still had some authority, and would occasionally use the fact that he was a Russian prince dude's advantage for the anarchist movement yeah like uh, sometimes you got to use your privilege for the benefit of the all so some oh, of yeah. the some of the best episodes are the episodes where bruce wayne has to be bruce wayne and like some of the best episodes of superman the animated series are is like he's got to be clark kent because he can't be superman for this one to fully go fan theory though i think the animated universe has socialism I think inside of their world, their, their economic system has managed to move in such a fashion that the means of production are mostly owned by the people. Now, your first argument to that was... Their relationship with billionaires. Billionaires. Three out of the four known billionaires in the show, which would be Bruce Wayne, whatever the fuck you call Green Arrow, I forget his real name yeah. all the time, Lex Oliver Luthor, Queen. Oliver Queen, thank you, and um, uh, Maxwell Lord, uh, at least three of them are, quote, trying to save the world, right? Like, yeah. Batman's trying to save the world, so is Green Arrow. Lex is doing it in his own way, sure, so, but that's still his ultimate goal. So yeah, yeah, yeah. my my theory is that a not everything is owned a, a form like not every absolute everything is owned definitely utilities are owned right because everyone who gets injured always has access to a hospital no matter what so clearly so clearly hospitalization has been the the medical means of production have been socialized nobody ever needs there there is concern about bills but they're always in relation to things that seem to be like cables and cars as opposed to things like water and rent. There are homeless people, but they're oftentimes portrayed as people who are maybe not mentally well, ergo maybe eschewing housing because of their own mental instability. Not, not like, oh, they're crazy and they don't need to be at a house, but some people, like, it's, it's just a, a symptom of their issues that they're like, oh, four walls is too much. Uh, I think billionaires exist in that context in that there must be some private industry and in fact most of the socialism theory is that there is some amount of of wealth that will still be accrued and controlled for example uh famous countries that are vaguely socialist already sweden and france have multi-millionaire billionaires but that that model of society just means that the floor is raised way more than the ceiling is lowered but at some point there's clearly some things that are owned if not by the people, then by the city as opposed to individuals. So the impression I get is that you're, you have some huge fund that you start an industry and hope like the government and people will, will pay you for the patent for it or something to that effect. I, again, not a one to one, but it's my, it's my best answer to that theory, to, okay. to, to, to that response. I don't know enough about capitalist structures to know if that's how they would work. Right. But it does seem like most of the people who get wealthy are inventors, 
right? Like like Wayne Enterprises yeah, Wayne, funds Wayne Tech. Yeah, yeah that's and Wayne the Tech. same thing. Lex Corp is a lot of right? inventions and stuff. And we, I don't know what Oliver Queen's company does. I don't. Yeah, know that never either. comes up because he is just vaguely rich in the show. He's and, vaguely rich, and I want. I do want to say I feel like for as much as an inherited wealth, even though anarchists yell about it wanting yeah. to go away, a lot of socialists are fine with it. Yo, yeah, maybe that's all. These whole thing is it's just inherited. Wealth. I mean, oh, no, oh, wait, it it one hundred percent. I'm pretty sure in the comics they've addressed that. Like he, it is you know his his father's fucking company. Right. You know that. Michelle had her hand up. <laughs> so we're asking the question of why the world seems better put together. I, I think, I think, universe. yeah, yeah, that's my theory. Okay, so it this also, is just but, a liberal writing staff and they're assuming that good industry and well-behaved politicians will accomplish oh, there's, this. Oh, there's not a lot of well-behaved politicians in the show. Politicians don't, are just as bad. Don't ruin, don't ruin, don't ruin the, the, don't give the meta answer. That is the literal answer, That's I the think. answer I have yeah. is that they are just writing the world they want to see, and they you, we're not seeing yeah. enough of the steps. Yeah. To well, now I, I had that thought too, and also with DC, like so DC over Marvel, right? Marvel's got a lot of morally gray characters. Whereas like the Justice League, they're the goodest of the good. There's not yeah. a lot of morally yeah. gray people in the Justice League. Yeah. It is I, it is an idealized like they are idealized heroes. It's Additionally, a more black and white. To, to add more idealized, yeah, this, but it I, is the yeah. idealized version of all these heroes. So of course, it would be in an idealized world. And I, I also, I think that also, at least for me, allows me to excuse a little bit of Batman and Gotham, because it shows that thing that we were talking about, too, that if you do create a better world, you're still going to have some systemic problems. Yeah. So if there are corrupt politicians who are willing to make corrupt decisions or things that influence their power and profit... Batman's flaw feeds into why this problem perpetuates. Yeah. He, like... It, it, they they kind of touched on it in the last movie where it's like the funding for all these programs are drying up because his dad lied and there was the money funneling or whatever. Whatever. What I would say is for Batman to really resolve the problems of Gotham, he would have to dismantle the things that keep his power going. I think part of the problem for at least that character is that the, the institutions that would destroy all that, he does at some point either attack or try to reinforce in a way that would be helpful to people. And that it doesn't succeed as Bruce Wayne. Because he does do initiatives that are like, I'm just going to give all of my money away to foundations. I am going to make sure everybody has a job. I am going to do all of these other things. And it turns out the circumstances are still there. Yeah, philanthropist is the part of 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 the whole conversation with Bruce Wayne being a billionaire that a lot of people seem to leave out is like, no, he genuinely philanthropy is kind of like, he's, he's really, he's really more Bill Gates than a lot of other yeah. things as far as like, still, is, yeah. Is that Bill Gates uses his philanthropy to uh, avoid paying taxes and to also control policy foreign or domestic in the way he wants it to go. So again, it's him using his philanthropy to benefit himself, even if it is to benefit the community. It's always still yeah. going to be in his specific interest, so he may not look at the problem in a way that it actually needs to be solved. Which is very Batman. Because it's coming Batman. from at top. Yeah, which that is, is Batman as hell. It's very Batman. Yeah. Yep. I do like, though, there is a panel in, in one book where he goes and invades one of Black Mask's kind of, like, headquarters or something like that, and he's standing there fighting all these dudes, and then the TV in the headquarters comes on, and it's Bruce Wayne talking through, like, a, a feed, and Bruce Wayne is telling all of the goons in there, like, hey, I bet Black Mask doesn't give you all healthcare. If any of you want, right now, to walk out of this building... <laughs> 
I will give you a job and I will pay you more than he's ever paid you and you will have health care and I will make sure that you have everything you need to be and taken care of if you walk out of this building right now. If not, I don't know what's going to happen to you. Maybe Batman's there right now and he's going to beat you up. I, I don't know. <laughs> very, very. But you can walk no out idea. of this building and I assure you, if you walk out of here right now, I will give you a job heard and I will give you health care. A, a walk-in sort of interview. And, this is a walk-out interview. And he, interview. like, all the goons just fucking leave. Yeah, I would dip so, right there. I'd be like, fuck yeah, dude. And so my theory is that that is why Was he's... That a dental? <laughs> that was hey, this guy has, like, blood a, pouring out of his mouth. About, uh, mine, with, mine with my giant Coke bottle glasses. Does that include vision? <laughs> <laughs> I do think that explains some of why Batman sticks to Gotham City. Because I think it, I think I know you are correct. If billionaires would do the things you were describing, wow, we would see vast material changes in circumstances, right? Yeah, and, and we if do they see did it with knowing what, with listening to the people who needed those funds, because that's I, the problem with philanthropy is that these rich people don't give a shit about what the people actually want. Exactly, because it is, as you mentioned, like it's written by people who want to live or want to have their idealized version. So a world where people don't need to worry about doctors and hospitals and like how the pipes run and if the police are that bad like that's their world and so you see it more reflected in places like metropolis and you see in their vaster world that earth uh, places that have like dictators seem to have independent economies that are disconnected from everyone else and keep their people from from uh meeting the same material conditions as the rest of the planet like it's usually coded like because it's just close enough to post 9-11 that it's always coded as like somebody who's vaguely middle east-ish i think in america at least in this universe gotham is like the most corrupt city and that you can't get past the the political conditions. So it doesn't matter like how much money you do pour into the city to help things. At a certain degree, well, it's going to be like a handful of gang lords still running things. And that's when Bruce Wayne is like, well, fuck it. I did spend all of this time training to be Batman. I've already tried to do all of the other might things. Might as well hit all these guys. Yeah, There's might as well. Because he does go after, like, fucked up business owners. He does go after... The Penguin is... Uh, the, oftentimes, a lot of Batman's villains are like the Penguin and like Black Mask and stuff, are like dudes who run like companies Money or like their their business owners well, they're they tend to be a reflection of him they're white collar like, villains really they're white collar villains that have been amped up in this fantasy world to also be like weird shooting bullets out of your umbrella guy okay now see i kind of want to use this to segue into another thing now about like the the healthcare and doctors and shit and how like the cities all seem to run all right right do you think that just the just the existence of like metahumans and superpower beings kind of necessitates that you have that kind of system because it's like, a thing in marvel that's yeah that's a lot of shit I, that's like very out of everybody's control so if like if you're working in a building and superman throws grod into it i right? guess i'd always taken it as there the things are already progressing towards a, a better like a not necessarily a perfect it's but already more, on that track. yeah it's already so on, everything that happens kind of just puts fuel yeah, on the fire especially because like using mask of the phantasm as my source material it's very clear that bruce has done whatever he can in his early 20s to divest himself of running a company and being a business he's yeah he's, he's done what he can in that sense and then he comes back and is like 
oh, I guess I have to start fighting these people who are choosing crime, at least in my scenario, people who are choosing crime as a way to shortcut the system if they are on the lower end, i.e. it's not criminogenic circumstances like they are. In our world where you don't really have a choice, but you're like, fuck it, I gotta eat, it's more people being like, well, I would like to have $100 more than I would like to have $50, and stealing some TVs is a way to do that. I do think that having superheroes compels people to do it more or to continue on that path because you're more inclined to assume any person can can force us to do this, right. if that makes sense. Like that the, makes sense, the, yeah. the power seems... I, Pat, what do you think the insurance costs for business owners for buildings is in a world where someone can get thrown through your business well, at any moment. Any given here's moment. the thing. I think the Superman cartoon does a lot of smart things in that they don't have, like, the most super of Superman. Like, he can get his ass kicked. Yeah. And he does seem to have, like, a lack of oxygen is a huge weakness for him. Yeah. But at the same time, I do think him showing up progresses a lot of villains. But at the same time, he does, like... He, he takes out of his time to talk to the janitor, and the janitor that ends up becoming Parasite is, like, this guy that, like, just feels ignored and wants to pick on people anyhow a little bit. I don't know if that's perfect. Oh, yeah. But I think... Oftentimes when he shows up, too, he doesn't initially, like, show up and go, oh, hey, a thing that doesn't look normal, punch. He usually shows up and goes, hey, what's going on here? You need to stop. Oh, you're not stopping? Oh, you want to fight me? Okay. Yeah. You probably shouldn't do that. Are you sure you want to do this, son? We're gonna do this, son. Which is which is I do I do need Superman saying son more, even yeah. though I do picture him being like there was there was one other thing to pick apart about my theory that you asked that I thought was good and I can't remember what it was to reply. Cordy asked. Whatever. Well I think I think I, I mean, think we've done it. Yeah, it's not it's not a perfect metaphor, but I do think if you're Does some, socialism have a president? Yes. Socialism okay. has leadership. In theory, socialism is just a change in the economic system. It has nothing to do with it's, uh, politics. The leadership and stuff. Okay. It's government that intervention was... in economics, and especially in the way of the government seizing the means of production of certain industries. Which answers your question about Captain Adam earlier, which was the question I was thinking about. Which is it has so nothing, how socialism you... has nothing to do with the government itself. Yeah. So there can still be an entity that works within the Justice League yeah. that's like, hey, I'm going to bow out of this one because I'm still also yeah. a member the united states army heard like the the nationalism is still going to exist if there's a socialistic economy patriarchy is still going to exist really interesting to think about because the first episode of justice league unlimited they basically go to like this universe's version of north korea and fight against a nuclear like automaton monster thing and like they make a point of pointing out like the U.S. can in no official capacity go and check this out, so the Justice League needs to go do it because they're an independent entity. But they also send Captain Adam on this mission, who explicitly says multiple times, like, I'm an agent of the United yes. States military. So it's like they kind of still did send a U.S. agent. Like I said, now, it's, not, also, it's not utterly perfect. But <laughs> while we're talking about that episode, this is another note that I'd had in my head. How bad is teleportation, like, on your body? Like, I know this could have just been Green uh, oh, Arrow God, yeah. having his opinions, but he's like, yo, I don't want anybody fucking with my molecules again. Don't send me back like that. So the <laughs> option is that you're going to instead take hitch a ride with these guys who are going to essentially North Korea, and you're going with a walking radiator, or like a, a radiation man, yeah. Superman's fucking cousin, uh, and a space cop. Superman's teenage Superman's cousin. Superman's teenage mouthy fucking cousin, and a space cop to a war zone, and they'll drop you off 
after they're done. Which, by, by the, the way, way wasn't uh, was radioactive? Wasn't it radioactive man that they were fighting in that too? So you're going to go and fight I a giant so. radioactive yeah. fucking a monster, giant radioactive thing, and Green Arrow saves this, the day by and, shooting a lead rod this, through his chest. And this sounded like a better <laughs> option than just no. I can just have the Martian teleport you down. Yeah. It's no big deal. Like how bad must teleportation feel mm. to a normie who's not used to it for that to sound like a better option? Would you rather episode. be teleported or whether would you rather travel through a boom tube? Teleported. Boom tube feels Te- terrifying. Te- teleported, yeah. Cause, well, no, because the boom tube's supposed to be related to a sentience, and now we are getting way off track. Yeah. I'm Let so me, sorry. No, no, we, can, we can have this conversation. Let me just say, I, A, thank you guys for coming on. B, I, having me. Yeah, I know it's not a perfect one-to-one, but if you are a person who's like, well, I know I'm kind of wondering what I think about anarchy, and I'm kind of wondering what socialism might look like, well, go watch some cartoons. That's that's my thought, and then and then tune in later to another episode of Recyclables. Uh, Butter, where can people find your things at? You can find me on most social media platforms as at Butterface Creations, uh, not spelled any funny way, just exactly as it sounds. I'm on Instagram the most, but I'm also on TikTok occasionally. Uh, I'm about to delete my Twitter because it's pointless, and. Uh, that's about it. I have a store, uh, Big Cartel. If you just go to Big Cartel and look for Butterface Creations. You can buy stickers. You can buy pins. If you want to just hire me to draw some stuff, call me. If you're if you're a patron, you get twenty percent off of all purchases. You do? Oh yeah, you that's not right. that anyone has taken you up on that. No, listening. but I wish they would. Please yeah. do. I have so many stickers. Just buy one of every one of them, <laughs> so please. Many no, I keep making them, and people keep buying them in small quantities, and that's nice. But I need somebody to buy all of them off of me, please. And Butter is a great artist. They uh, have done the card that we usually use for recyclables. We also have one, a new one coming up eventually. I, I, I am to, cooking. Anyway, I can tell you me, more about me that. Me and Jesse are cooking. Ooh. Uh, uh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Rochelle, Corey, tell people stuff if you want them to find you. You go first. I mean, my art stuff's at Whore for Poor on Instagram, Whore spelled W H O R E. Um, and on TikTok, it's underscore R O C O C O T E. And I share a lot of my art stuff and sometimes my feelings. Um, I'm on Facebook, but it's usually just sad. Um, I myself am not much of a creator of art or content. However, um, if you want to check out Dungeons and Flagons, it's a thing that I'm going to start doing uh, that I've gotten hired on to uh, where uh, different breweries around the Portland area will run uh, D&D nights. You order, you, you can buy a ticket to be at a certain table. You get two drinks uh, with that ticket as well as a meal. And then you also get a reserved spot at a table for one night of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. Um, it happens. I think once a month, um, but I'm sure if you look up Dungeons and Flagons online around the Portland area, you'll find information and details about purchasing. Uh, if you want to give Dungeons and Dragons a try, it's a good way to start out. It's uh, a great collaborative group effort that teaches you how to run solved. things non-hierarchically. However, they do have a lot of class. There's a lot, a lot of class stuff, yeah. yeah There's a lot of things. Rogue, cleric, paladin. Um... And if you grew up in eastern Montana, it's Dungeons and Flagons. Oh, my God. I am Patrick Thomas Perkins. This has been Recyclables. Uh, be sure and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just You can find any of them by searching hashtag Recyclables. Usually I'm putting that into posts for them. Uh, and also, if you're not listening to the patron and, and you'd like to... I want to someday make the patron Rochelle's problem so that I can just make uh. episodes. And then she gives me money for them. So the more of you that get on there, eventually the more... Yeah, give me a job. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening Bye, to Recyclables. Bye, love you. Bye. All right. This, this has been our three-parter. Uh, trying to trying to try to explain the greater concept philosophy and ideals of of this thing that I I appreciate called anarchy, uh, and try to demystify it a little bit. Try not to make it scary people throwing Molotov cocktails at government buildings, and try to explain it as a thing that says, "Hey, there are actually barriers in the way to getting people their needs," and those barriers are certain kinds of hierarchy. Uh, and then I wanted to explain some of my favorite art form, which is, you know, the the, the idea of superheroes and comics. I think I, I didn't really get into it in this episode, but I think superheroes embody us trying to explain ourselves to ourselves. I mean, I mean, that's what all stories are, but I think superheroes do a particularly succinct job of it because there's such high melodrama that when when you see what they say, I think they say some pretty interesting things. Uh, I, th- I think the fact that we all kind of think of Batman as a guy who shouldn't commit murder says something about what we think peak human performance is. I think it's a interesting conversation to have. Uh, to review, uh, I, I don't I don't think the JLA is anarchy embodied, but I do think that the JLA concept of, of mutual aid, of standing up for what's right, even if there's a government body saying not to do it, I, I think those embody anarchy quite a bit. And I also think how uh, governmental organizations and business respond to the JLA is appropriate to how those interests respond to anarchy. Uh, they either try to co-op it, fight it, or profit off of it. Uh, if, if you think of the way a lot of sort of, air quotes, antifas look, you know, certain kinds of masks, certain kinds of hoodies has proliferated to groups of people who don't identify with those those things. Uh, I think you can kind of get an idea of what I'm talking about the same way there are a lot of Democrats who kind of try to dog whistle uh, uh, people who are further left than them by saying, hey, I'm for for universal this or, you know. But it's a it's a thing I've been I've been bouncing around in my head for a while. I also think if you if you get a chance to watch the Justice League cartoons, they are are a lot of fun. So is Batman. So is Superman, uh, and they manage to be fun in a way that's kind of timeless. Like I'll I'll go back and watch Batman all the time. This has been a fun one. I want to thank yet again uh, our guest Butter for being here. Butter has helped us with a number of things. We're working on a new Recyclables logo, and Butter is going to be the one to make that. So I was really grateful to have them on. Uh, If you get a chance, follow them on their social medias, Butterface Creation. And now for the credits. Let's start off this episode by thanking Butterface Creations, one of our executive producers, head bitch in charge of their own business, and a wonderful guest to have on your podcast. I also want to thank Sabrina Phillips. Thank you for being a supporter all the way across the pond. Stephanie Oxford, I I appreciate your work as an executive producer, as well as Edwin Shives, who is an executive producer of this podcast. Uh, Whitney Hampson. You're an executive producer. You're a wonderful person, and I thank you. Nova Starlust, 
Uh, I, th- I think your turn as a villain is going wonderful, and I'm really happy for the work you're doing for all the good villains out there. Thank you for being an executive producer. Rob Campbell, thank you for being an executive producer. Maybe someday we'll work on shirts. I don't know. Andrea Miller, I hope things have gotten better. Thank you for being an executive producer. Ben Menard, you're a very entertaining person on the on the internets, and I thank you for being an executive producer. Kristen Rowan, you're you're an amazing executive producer as well. Thank you yet again. Linda Grimes, uh, thank you a lot. Thank you for being an executive producer of this podcast and in my life. Another executive producer of this podcast is Carrie Davis. Uh, uh, Erica N., thank you for being an executive producer. Uh, and happy birthday again. Uh, also an executive producer of this program, Ash Alexander. Thank you very, very much. And finally, last but definitely not least, Chella L., thank you for being an executive producer here at Recyclables. Do you want to be an executive producer? Are you like, man, I love this show. How can I help? Go become a patron, and I will be uh, uh, obligated by this concept that I've created for myself to follow to name you an executive producer of this program at the end of every episode. So go and do that, and you can get that. That'll be be a thing. So if you get a chance, share about the page. If you like the show, share about the page. Uh, It would make it would make it easier to make this Rochelle's full time job if we had enough patrons. That's my dream, you know. Uh, And if you can't, seriously, no pressure. I understand what it's like to not be able to afford the things you use and enjoy. Uh, and, and that's why we do things the way we do it. I don't try to have tears or anything crazy. I just say what you can do, do, and what you can't do. Well, don't do it. That's, that's, that's a weird thing to do to yourself. You know, I really do believe in the philosophy of from each according to their ability to each according to their need. So if you can't afford this podcast, yes, you can just enjoy it. Just, just the way you pay me back is you, you do, you, you, you enjoy it. All right. Well, now that I've named all the executive producers and I've talked way too much, I think it's time for me to go. We'll catch you on another episode. See you later. that commercials want to be on you or you have to be on you. Yeah. Or you have to be like transformers. Thank you for picking up recyclables today.
Donations to the ACAST streaming service are, of course, always welcomed, but the best way to support the show is by going to patreon.com forward slash recyclables and becoming a patron today. If you can't do that, another great way is by liking, subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast on whatever podcast listening service you use. All right, thanks.